0: Hello fellow movie lovers, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we examine Hollywood's red-headed stepchildren. As a red-headed stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie
1: Johnson. And I'm Andy Boel, and today we are pulling back Hollywood's Crypt to review 2001's stoner comedy, sex comedy, Super Troopers.
0: <laughs> Super Troopers! Super
1: Troopers! A movie that I think we'll go ahead and spoil. Give the the five second review. You and I both thought like this isn't good, but it's fine.
0: It's fine.
1: And then it's your okay. husband despised.
0: I think he despised it because he's mad that it's not Anchorman and Super Troopers is like Anchorman's kid brother that just wants to, you know tag along everywhere i don't know (laughs) that's fair i don't defend alexander
1: i mean so the thing i said was like this um this seems to have followed the american pie trend and been like let's do that but highway patrolmen instead of teenagers looking to have sex
0: sure yeah it didn't bode well that when I googled Super Troopers, the first things that came up, like the autofill, was who is the girl cop in Super Troopers and did they really chug syrup in Super Troopers? And I'm like, girl cop
1: <laughs> chug syrup. Oh no. Did you, did you look at that answer? Yes, apparently <laughs> they really did. Yeah, but like they tried not to. They, they, um... <laughs> they they it was like thick iced tea and it didn't look right so they they tried and then they actually for the take chugged syrup and holy shit Uh, but if you skipped the movie um yes super troopers follows the follows a doomed district of state troopers desperately kind of trying to save their unit
0: Right, so there's, like, budgetary cuts, and they're maybe gonna just get kind of absolved into the local police. Like, it's very... I think the reason Alex said he didn't like it was that it was basic plot as an excuse for mm, kind of, like, jackass-level stunts. Like, there's one point where they're shooting a man who's wearing nothing but a bulletproof cup. (laughs) <laughs> and that's just tacked on there.
1: The chugging syrup never comes up again. It's just literally there to be chugging syrup. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> and it's, you know, it's produced by a company called Jersey Shore, so that doesn't bode well either, except I kept I kept waiting to be like, "Oh, this is terrible." It's not terrible. It's just not good. Not overwhelming? Not exciting?
1: Yeah, and like so so from my space like there is I don't remember if we talked about this at the tail end of the last episode or immediately after, but like this is on the list because I had a person I worked with who like loved this movie and got really excited when this played on the lawn of the Enzian and could like quote it. And so, like, I was like, "Yeah, somebody I know at least regards this as a cult movie," and you were like, "Oh, are is it a guy?" And I was like, "No, actually, it's a girl." And I was like, "Okay, um, are they white?" And I was like, "No, actually." So,
0: <laughs> which
1: is so surprising to me,
0: but it's not—it's not terrible writing. The opening is fantastic
1: the opening is very fun the opening scene of just like a couple of highway cops totally fucking with a uh car with three stoners one of whom just ate a bag of weed and a bag of shrooms like it it plays the beats very well and 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 Mm -hmm. i there, there were plenty of moments that i laughed this isn't a great movie but the thing I yeah. kept saying, I said to my wife, I said to you off, off the podcast, and I'm going to say it again. If I was stuck in a hotel room for an afternoon and for some reason I couldn't leave, like, I it, it's 2 p.m. and I'm just stuck there and I turn on Comedy Central and Super Troopers is playing, I'd leave it on.
0: Okay, so if you're the two dudes in Primer
1: <laughs> and you're
0: in the motel... In the middle of the day, and you have to stay in the motel, and you can't make any calls, and you can't go anywhere because you're not supposed to be out in the world. And Primer was on TV, and Super Troopers was on the TV in the hotel you were in. You would watch Super Troopers as a character in Primer.
1: Yes, and I love the callback, and I would regard the two hours I had to watch Super Troopers as on the more positive end.
0: As opposed to just sitting there on the uh, hotel bed, staring at the ceiling, waiting to time travel.
1: Wondering why my partner has a cell phone. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) My experience with this movie was, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Oh God, that didn't age well. Okay, maybe it'll be better now. Okay, okay, it's better. It's kind of better. Oh God, that was awful. Okay, okay, maybe. Oh Jesus. (laughs) Like, it's just constant. Oh wait, Oh no. Oh no.
1: Yeah, that's fair and it's very much it's it's from the school of comedic filmmaking where we have a bunch of bits. Let's figure out a plot to go around so we can do a bunch of bits. Yeah. And and really this actually feels appropriate. It's only slightly above jackass.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that actually fits.
1: Like the only difference is if Jackass they'd actually be shooting somebody with a metal bulletproof cup instead of whatever filmmaking trickery went out yeah. and on in this movie. I do want to yeah. I do want to say as like kind of leading in from that and as a as as a positive thing. So so the writers the director and the stars are five main highway patrol officers that aren't Brian Cox. Um, They are all a bunch of like kind of D list celebrity comedians who together formed this comedy troupe called broken lizard. And so like broken lizard is listed as the writer of super troopers and it is all entirely collaborative and like, They all just do this together because they all have fun and they're friends and they're all comedians. And that makes so much sense to think about that in the context of this movie with it all being bits and it all just being people trying to like make each other laugh and out gross out silly each other. And that lended kind of a charm as soon as I saw this realizing that like, this is this was a guy and all of his friends like working together to make this thing and just have fun and and make a movie that is that that bought a lot of goodwill to me
0: you know now that you say that and i didn't put this in my notes but it kind of reminds me of like monty python flying circus movies totally which have a lot of that same all right, here's the general plot of the movie and we're going to tack this silly thing on and here's this silly thing. And together it's going to make a movie. Just Monty Python and the Flying Circus comes with the prestige of being Monty Python and here's this movie that doesn't have that.
1: Right. Here's this movie that came out in 2001 and you can tell. (laughs) Oh,
0: oh my God. You know I have notes about how this didn't not age well at all
1: oh absolutely um and and yeah this one I'm gonna go ahead and put the social justice one two three job but there is at least from what we could see this is maybe the most poorly aged film we've seen
0: social justice one two three yeah there's I mean sexism racism there's a really obvious transphobic sex operation joke um there's a lot of like female in the workplace bullshit there's a lot of like masturbation that's not in a positive light there's a polyamorous couple that's not necessarily terribly presented well
1: they're not terribly presented well but we very much get a trope that like i remember being just a thing of the european characters in the movie are portrayed as this crazy sex couple who are like down for anything and are just totally like lascivious and lewd and it's played up for comedy and like it's it's so interesting because to, to dig into that specifically right now, like there's, there's the scene where a speeding Porsche is pulled over and it is a German couple who are instantly trying to hit on rabbit, uh, the rookie patrol officer. And like, you almost think that the guy was speeding so he could get caught so he could watch his wife bang somebody else. And it's played for comedy but it's not entirely mocking. Like, you've got the scene later on where they show Thorny and his girlfriend took that couple in and are swinging with them. So you see them again. One of our heroes takes place in the joke. You see the German guy a third time, and there he's being downright helpful trying to translate a, uh, an, a an Afghani cartoon. And so... so I
0: should I should clarify, when I say polyamorous couple that isn't necessarily portrayed in the best light, I mean Thorny and his girlfriend.
1: Who wants a mustache, right? Oh, interesting. Okay. Do tell.
0: Well, so I'm sorry. I might have been unclear, but um, Thorny, at the beginning of the movie, is out on a drive with Rabbit. Actually, before they pull the car over... And it, has been, it had been mentioned prior in the movie something about, like, someone had asked, like, oh, yeah, is she seeing other people tonight or something like that.
1: Right. And then Rabbit
0: is questioning Thorny about how, like, his relationship with his partner works. And Thorny says, like, or Rabbit asks, um, so how does it work? You're open and you just fuck other people? And Thorny's like, no, not really, not exactly. It's more, you know. And then he leans to his kid in the back, and he's like, "Hey, so does mom have anyone over that he, you know, that she refers to as uncle?" And the kid like refers to someone. And so the reason I'm saying they're not portrayed in the best light is that the kid names someone, and Thorny's like, "Who?" And I'm like, "Oh, so they're not, you know." They're not telling each other about the people that they're having sex with, and it clearly bothers Thorny, and that's clearly like this kind of unexamined boundary crossing.
1: Okay, yeah, I.
0: But that's just you know.
1: Well, I remember that now that you say that, it it like went over my head in the moment, but yeah, okay. I it's so there's there's so much like I, I was gonna say like. You know, the difference between Monty Python and Broken Lizard is Monty Python um, presented this like just timeless classic, like it's damn funny no matter what. The bits are funny. And and keep in mind, in uh, Life of Brian, there was straight up blackface and like society has just been like, yeah, it was Monty Python in the 60s. It's fine. They're fucking Monty Python. Broken Lizard. Is so rooted in this, like, early 2000s cringe frat dude comedy that has not stood the test of time in the same way that Monty Python managed to. Um mm. It's like I, I haven't seen a super troopers to the trailer at least looks fun in the same kind of way. The other movie these guys did is a movie called beer fest and I haven't seen beer fest, but I remember seeing the trailer for that. And this was like very early in college for me and being like, that is the most lazily offensive looking movie for all sexes, all races, all walks of life And this is cringy and I am never going to see this. And I didn't realize it was the same Mm -hmm. guys who made super troopers. And again, this movie is fine, but this movie is so just like stuck in 2001.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I wanted to ask you one more question. You brought up the, the sexism in the workplace thing and, and specifically, even more than sexism in the workplace, there is a line in which a cop tells the only woman he works with. If you were my wife, I'd take you down a few pegs when there is a rampant uh, problem amongst police officers and domestic abuse to say that line. And it's not presented as a joke. It's presented as a setup so that our hero can say, if you were my wife, I'd spend 40 minutes massaging your feet every night. (laughs) But like, is it still problematic if the writers have an antagonistic presence, say the problematic thing? It's hard, right? I
0: don't love it. I don't love it. And what I don't love even more is the fact that that horrible line is preceded by an expectation of a man that a woman, his female coworker, do a thing that isn't her job. Mm. So the reason he's telling her he'd take her down a few pegs is that the toilet paper isn't replaced in the bathroom.
1: The men's bathroom, by the way.
0: The men's bathroom, by the way, where she's not going. And so it's like, it's not one, it's in no way would she know that you were out of toilet paper. The only way that I would accept that is if it was like a onesie bathroom, like no stalls, just one toilet and you lock the door behind you. And she used it last and she didn't replace it. Mm -hmm. Like, other than that why the hell would she replace the toilet paper? That's not her job. She's just a woman at the job. And I think there is a realistic, like, double span standard in a lot of workplaces that, like, oh, you're the woman. You're going to plan all the parties. Totally. Oh, you're the woman. You're going to offer... You're going to do all the office supply runs.
1: Especially and so, in like, male-dominated fields.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's better because a dude like a bad a bad dude says it. I just know it's not great.
1: That's fair. I mean, I think I think there's in the grand scheme of everything there's an argument of like even antagonistic characters, even evil characters, there should be a uncrossable politically correct line um and you know by the nature of human history that line has moved as we've gotten more pol- politically correct as a whole um yeah but it was just it was something that struck me because like the cops are evil that's that's the 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 thing that is presented from the the start is that the cops are well okay what's presented from the start is that the cops are assholes and they are our antagonistic presence in the film and then it's revealed that they are straight up the villains because it turns out they are a crooked police force manufacturing a uh, marijuana smuggling ring sure (laughs)
0: so yeah this movie is a thesis for a cab (laughs) like sure all cops are bastards down to the fact that at the end the good guys quote unquote that they root for that we root for ruin a teens like kegger party and are complete assholes about how they break it up like they could have just come to the door and been like hey noise complaint oh hey you have marijuana oh hey you have beer yeah, we're going to arrest you, but they, like, pose as people who are bringing a keg to a party. Like, that's just above and beyond over-the-top bastardry.
1: Sure, sure. (laughs) And even though there are heroes, and even though it's for the convenience of one last joke in in the movie, like, what is actually happening is cops are just very meanly tricking people. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly understand what you're saying there.
0: (laughs) Well, so to go back to a minute for your, is this bad because so one of our, "Mm, is this racist examinations is that we have one character of color, right? Thorny played by the writer So Thorny is constantly getting made fun of, is constantly having racial jokes flung in his face, but he also wrote and directed the movie. Right. So it's it's that examination of, like, is... This is still racist, right? This is still not
1: this is good this is still racist and and so he, here's a rabbit hole that i was planning to take us down and i'm actually realizing something as you're talking so so like you said that we've got the character of thorny who's played by jay Trandisakar, who is the writer and director of the movie he's also a member of broken lizard and he is a second generation indian american man and he is a dude from chicago who doesn't have an accent, was born in America. And so I was sitting here for a while being like, is it... This is a white-ass movie. This is a white bread. This is a movie for white boys. Is it at all weird that it doesn't sound like there is a persons of colors experience in this movie, or is it weird that I'm sitting here looking at somebody who has a very ethnic name and a very, uh, a skin color, very different than my own. And is it weird for me to be sitting here going, Hey, Jay Trandesikar, I understand you were born in Chicago, but where's the ethnic experience, man? but as you're talking it occurred to me that that's the voice that's the experience that's the reason why all those jokes are in there cuz he's probably he, he he's most certainly spent his whole life being the butt of racist jokes and the whole bit of like they think i'm mexican you're not and like you know yeah. all of that is totally got to be this guy's experience because Thorny is a just Thorny is as white as anybody else on the squad and he's still ridiculed and he still has to deal with this racism in the workplace. And, and so I realized that is the, that is the experience, you know? And, and I, in the moment am giving this just a kernel more, okay, Good, good for you, Super Troopers. Good for you pointing out that, like, yeah, my name is Jay Trandesacar, and I'm from Chicago. And I sound like this. I don't get it. Tacos? They think I'm Mexican. You're not Mexican?
0: The same way my husband, Alex Ruiz, is from Orlando, and he sounds like he sounds. Yeah. And he got told during his MFA, well... I don't understand why you don't, you know, infuse your Latin culture into the story more, Alex.
1: Exactly.
0: So, and I mean, I only know that secondhand. Like, obviously, I am white. I am from California. My life experience is very different. Um, (laughs) But I know that a lot of the internalized dialogue a lot of people of color face is... They're constantly being told, why isn't this more of your culture? Right. All right, so your last name is Chandra Sakar. Why are you not um, making a movie about Diwali instead of a movie about cops in Vermont? Right. Why is that what your movie is about? Probably both from his colleagues and his co-creators as well as his parents, Why don't you tell the stories about where we're from? And so it's like, it comes from both sides
1: and that's hard too. It absolutely is. And so I think all of that, just to say like this movie objectively has not aged well, but there are facets of it and facets of, you know, this has been one extended giant social justice one, two, three segment And there is still, I think, a Shades of Grey aspect that I actually kind of appreciate the more I think about it that the guys in Broken Lizard included.
0: Well, sure. And, I mean, he's not the...
1: He's never token.
0: Right, exactly. And he's not the only... um... Hmm. He's not the only person of color in the movie either, actually, now that I think about it, because we have Gregory or Joffrey Arend, and mm-hmm. he's half Pakistani. Sure. And so that's there's that too. And jeffrey Arend was one of the writers. So I was even gonna say, like, oh, but he's the only, you know, writer of color, and I know how it's hard to be a minority in a writer's room, and then I was like, wait. Almost half of the writers are men of color.
1: So Inter- like it's interesting. That's that's about all I I don't wanna like it, it gives we've talked about it for five minutes, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, we should probably <laughs> move on. <laughs> Let's move on to sexism in this movie.
1: Well, yeah, because that one is pretty rampant and inexcusable.
0: <laughs> There's a sex doll with a real human woman's name written across its chest and the owner of the sex doll has had one conversation with that person that's creepy as fuck
1: that is and and I want to talk about Farva in a second because Farva mm-hmm. is his own damn part topic but like yeah. that is Farva is not a sympathetic character and even though he's on the good guy side I don't think you're ever meant to root for Farva foster is Mm -hmm. absolutely presented as like one of our heroes he's the guy who gets the girl and he gets the girl by ceaselessly pestering her at work at social functions um from what she thinks punches her and then finally like does a bit where he pretends to flash her repeatedly mm. and it's only because mm-hmm. ursula is chill and one of the guys enough to throw the bit right back in his face that anything works out and oh you're so funny the way you pretended to like show me your penis when i didn't ask you to that's a problem
0: Oh, you're so funny sexually harassing me from a distance. That's great.
1: You're so funny basically stalking me at my place of work. Uh, yeah, I got nothing for that one and like I like like I said, I didn't even think about the uh you know the negative light that thorny's girlfriend is presented in because her entire character is potentially um problematic polyamorous girlfriend and she wants him to move and that's a problem or she doesn't want him to move but like you know she she causes she she makes a request of her boyfriend who she has a child with and he's like i shit i don't know i want to keep being a goofball and that's not great
0: yeah yeah Yeah, and case in point, neither of us can remember her name. She has a name. She's named in the movie. God, she is. But there was, (laughs) she is. Her name is Bobby because I had to look it up. (laughs) And the only scene in which Bobby and the other named woman whose name fell out of my head, Ursula, Ursula. okay, this is bad that we're forgetting their names, but I'm like, oh yeah, Thorny, Rabbit, Farva. The only scene in which they're together. The only line that either woman has is Bobby saying hi to the chief, and the chief going, "Oh hey, honey." Not even hey, Bobby. Oh hey, honey. Not so great. they don't talk to each other. It's not great. It super doesn't break the Bechdel test.
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't. Because, because like, not to not to spoil a later point, but Linda Carter is in this, and I remember Linda Carter's aide says something to her, but I don't think it's a full on conversation. And even if it is, I think this movie does enough against women that it does not deserve to pass the Bechdel test.
0: Well, and even Linda Carter is mayor last or governor last name. Right. She's not first name, which you don't do Wonder Woman like that. Excuse. Exactly. <laughs> so all of that to say, this doesn't age well. And the worst thing is, we've seen worse. Yeah. Like, I would probably watch this before I would watch Lost Boys.
1: <laughs> that is so great to me. That is. Because that really is like. Like, this is. I think this is the new line in the sand between a good movie and a bad movie. Like, this is the one on the cusp. Because. It's our
0: middle movie. It's
1: our middle movie. Because that was definitely. Lost Boys for me for a while. In my day, the rookie got naked. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And we also use blanks.
0: Should we talk about, like, how this movie was made, or are there any, like, interesting cinematography things? Well,
1: yeah, like I said, like, I think it was made because, like, I don't, I didn't quite figure out what the deal with broken lizard was other than they were a popular comedy troupe like your upright citizens brigade or your groundlings only none of these guys went to snl they somehow got the stuff to make this movie like super troopers 2 came out in 2019 because it took 18 years to get funding for super troopers 2 i don't I don't have any like tricks and it, or not tricks. I don't have any like crazy facts about the making of this movie. And if you do, I want to hear them. But the only thing yep, I can say, the, the the one thing I can say is, I think Jay Chandrasekhar does a really good job as a second movie director. Like the only thing he did before this is some mm-hmm. totally obscure shitty comedy. They they manage to do chase scenes really well. They spoof cops a couple of times in a way that I thought was really funny. As somebody who watched Cops a little bit growing up as a kid, the the comedy is the, the comedy is why you're there, and the comedy is on point. Um, and mm-hmm. and the rest of that beyond that, it's it's the reason why this hasn't been a giant hate sesh because this is fine this is this is pretty in pink level i could probably make that movie the the car uh, the car chase sequences like i'd probably be out of my depth for but beyond that
0: yeah i agree it was it was watchable which is neither bad nor good it was entertaining and other than if I hadn't had a podcast about this, I would have forgotten it the moment it stopped playing.
1: Right, yeah. If if I didn't have to watch this for our show, I probably never would have watched it because I hadn't watched it up until this point in my life, despite having a conversation with a co-worker about how excited she was to watch it on the lawn of the Enzian because, oh my God, it's Super Troopers. Like... Ah.
0: Okay, real talk though, because the Enzian is one of my favorite magic places in the world, that sounds fun. But I think that has more to do with Enzian <laughs> being magic.
1: Right. Support that...
0: local film theaters than anything else. That
1: has more to do with the wonderful Winter Park Art House theater that like, we've both been to.
0: <laughs> and the bar attached. So good.
1: And so necessary for this, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This really feels to me like like I I thought about talking about like the sex comedy as a genre and this isn't really a sex comedy but it's not really nah. a stoner comedy. It's nah. kind of a stoner comedy. There's certainly enough consumption in it.
0: Is it a cop comedy? Is that what we're supposed to think of it as? I
1: think it's I think it truly is like the guys in Broken Lizard were like, let's do American Pie, but cross out sex-hungry teens and write in highway troopers. Probably because they had made plenty of jokes about what a ridiculous thing highway patrol officers are. And they were like, okay, we we don't want to totally seem like American Pie, so, so let's have some sex. We gotta have some sex. But like... Let's also do some some drug stuff and oh, we're we we have to have some sort of steak So let's let's add a couple of steaks and and bam, we have a movie. Okay, it's not a direct copy paste of American Pie, but I just can't get it out of my head that this was trying to ride that way And and with that, do you want to talk about Farva? <laughs> who is the gross breakout character of the film.
0: Speaking of things that were trying to ride the wave and just stuck up on the shore like a beached white whale, and you thought, (laughs) sad. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let's talk about Farva and how much he made me cringe.
1: Farva sucks, and I hated him, and there was not a single moment I had anything but... Cringeworthy contempt for Farva. He,
0: I don't say this to sound dramatic, but the character literally made my skin crawl, and I don't mean oh my god. He literally made my skin skin crawl. It's there was a point he said something, and I got shivers, and I was like, ooh, this character disgusts me so
1: much. The thing that like I I give props to Kevin uh, Heffernan. Because that's the actor, and you know, actor is separate from character. He did a great job in making somebody so memorably disgustingly hateable. And the thing about Farva is everybody knows a Farva. Everybody who's worked like a crappy job has known a Farva. That guy who is like completely insufferable and irredeemable and entirely sucks and is equally self-absorbed and like ostracized and ridiculed by his coworkers. but it just like it doesn't ever actually penetrate his brain he can dish it out but he can't take it but he can kind of take it because it just literally like bounces off of him But when he dishes it out, it sucks like the soap and the coffee gag. The biggest thing I can say is good. Good for Kevin Heffernan and good for him going full nude because he didn't have to. I I was sad the shot wasn't like just a little tighter when he is being deloused in the showers.
0: Well, and he's one of the writers, so Sorry. I have to imagine that there is one point where they're like, "All right, we wrote this character. Let's all draw straws. Who plays him?" And Kevin Heffernan ju- 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 just drew the short straw and was like, "You guys, really? Oh, see, I, fuck. I
1: get the impression that like Farva was Kevin he- Heffernan's brainchild, and it was like. <laughs> Okay, we're making the Highway Cop movie, and Kevin Heaven is like, guys, I have the worst character, and it's gonna be the best thing. <laughs> Alright. Either way, either way, good good for him. I mean, Farva is probably the most memorable thing about this movie. Just this complete asshole sociopath who Is disgusting and problematic in every way. Oh my god, he's Eric Cartman. He is Eric Cartman grown up into a dead end job. Oh, Oh, I hate that you're right. Oh no.
0: (laughs) Oh I love I love that I'm right. That's great. Oh, Oh no. He's Eric Cartman growing up at a job and harassing people at Vermont Carl's Jr. Oh, no, no, that's rabbits. That's rabbits. Okay, I get it. It's rabbits. Oh, look, a bar of soap.
1: Oh, shit, I got you good, you fucker. (laughs) Listen, Carl's Jr. would never uh, ostracize its beloved public by poking holes in their uh, soda beverages.
0: Carl's Jr. We don't believe cops are people, but we'll still treat them right.
1: <laughs> uh, is this cult? I don't know, dude. That's the interesting thing. Like like I said, like this movie, I literally had somebody come up to me and be like, "This is playing at Cult Night at the Enzian. I can't wait. I'm going to get a six-pack and drink it on the lawn. I love this movie." And like I, think, I guess i guess i think it's cold i just don't think you and i like it at least not enough okay
0: okay i mean you know what fair enough fair i guess i get i i guess fine
1: it's quotable it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely quotable it 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 has enough charm, even if people only remember the syrup chugging and the uh, meow game and all of <laughs> all of the bits. People can remember it for that.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Uh, before I will s- go ahead. I will say my uh, the way that I know it's quotable is because I have been hearing Nick Veterick for years, say, excuse me, bear fucker, do you need assistance? <laughs> yeah.
1: And I laughed at that part. That is that is a joke about bestiality. And I laughed at it. So was that your quote? That was my quote. What was yours? My quote, and it's because I had heard this for forever and I never knew what it was from. The schnozberries, Uh-oh. taste of schnozberries. And as Jeffrey Arendt is tripping balls out of his mind, licking the partition glass in a cop car. Andy. <laughs> yes.
0: I love you. Is that not
1: what this is from?
0: That's not what this is from. Oh, fair enough.
1: Well, I'm kind of relieved. What are snozberries right. from?
0: The snozberries taste like snozberries is from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Is there? Yeah, like the 1962 Gene Wilder, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Huh.
1: In fairness, I was absolutely a Spaceballs kid.
0: I mean, that's fair. Of Gene Wilder's movies, I'm more of a young Frankenstein gal myself because Gene Wilder and Peter Boyle? Yes, please. <laughs> Um, But I'm forever, first and foremost, a Royal Doll fan, so I can't not love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
1: (laughs) That's very fair. Um, I make no excuses. I have a cult fiction podcast. I have not watched Willy Wonka in probably a decade.
0: (laughs) (gasps) Oh... okay that's a problem we'll fix that don't worry about it it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine don't worry about it so what's your oscar for (laughs) Uh,
1: my oscar we we mentioned it my oscar for super troopers and if this is your first episode we believe every movie deserves an oscar no matter how mediocre my oscar for super troopers is biggest waste of linda carter we mentioned it you have linda carter I don't even know what Linda Carter cost you for that day, but you have Wonder Woman and she has like four lines and is in maybe 30 seconds of this movie and does nothing contributes in no actual way. And I don't know if stuff got cut. I don't know if she was supposed to be the big villain in the end. I I thought she was going to be, I have no idea what phone call took place what party Brian Cox was at. We didn't even talk about Brian Cox because I love him, but he's kind of pointless to the movie. Um, Sure. I don't know what party Brian Cox was at and saw Linda Carter and was like, hey, come hang out with me for a day and, and do this thing. But like, for shame wasting Wonder Woman like that. For
0: shame also. My Oscar is for the most upsetting thing to call your parents. <laughs> because there is a scene where Kevin
1: Heffernan. Heffernan. Heffernan
0: Kevin Heffernan is pulls over as Farvel pulls over a couple, and he says, "I'm gonna call them something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come up with a prank. I'm gonna call them chicken fuckers." Except, real talk, the people he pulls over. Are Kevin Heffernan's actual
1: parents,
0: (laughs) who knew they were going to get pulled over, knew that they were going to be called something shocking, did not know they were going to be called chicken fuckers. And so can you imagine your child walking up to me up to you and saying, do you know why I pulled you over? Chicken fuckers. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so upsetting. <laughs> you know that they they cut away so quickly, and you just gotta figure it's because they either burst out laughing or started yelling at their son. Well, before we before we go to the bacon, just because this is the last time um, I have a chance to say it. Um, returning to cult fiction, Daniel von Bargen in what was probably the most. Eh? Oh, yeah, he was in the faculty. I knew I recognized his face.
0: What?
1: So the evil uh, police chief who was, you know, the closest thing we had to a primary antagonist in this film was also the alcoholic English teacher in the faculty. And if we hadn't seen that two movies ago, there's no friggin way I would have remembered. But as it was, I was like, I know your face. Why do I know your face? And I thought that was fun.
0: Eee. That is fun.
1: But speaking of seeing an actor and going, I know what you've been in.
0: You want to go? Oh, give I like Bacon? how you did that. Thanks. Yes. Oh, you're so clever. <laughs> um. Okay. So, Jeffrey Arendt. Who was our stoned kid in the back of the seat, in the back of the car, mm-hmm. was in Loveless in Los Angeles with Stephen Toblesky, who was in Murder in the First with Kevin Bacon.
1: I refute the idea that Alex has ever seen a movie called Love in Los Angeles or knows who Stephen Tobleski is. But I'll take it.
0: (laughs) I apologize, sir, but he does know who Stephen Trubowski is. Do you know why he knows who Stephen Trubowski is? Because
1: it's Alex who's a human encyclopedia?
0: No, you also know who Stephen Trubowski is. Who is Stephen
1: Trubowski? Because
0: because you have seen a cute little show that we've introduced you to called One Day at a Time. And Stephen Trubowski is the doctor who employs the main character as a nurse and one day at a time so
1: i stand corrected all right
0: yeah you do buddy
1: (laughs) well i can't be too mad because i also got it in two so i'll take the time um okay like i said brian cox is in this i adore brian cox brian cox was he he was mostly underused. I get that he had to play the straight man. I did appreciate when he impersonated a cop and like acted drunk for twenty minutes. That was pretty great. Um, <laughs> Brian Cox is in a, a little known film called Troy with Bla- with Brad Pitt and Brad. Oh yeah, Pitt, so little
0: known. Yeah, you
1: know, <laughs> most expensive action movie of its time when it came out. Um, Brad Pitt was in sleepers with Kevin Bacon
0: fair enough yeah (laughs) he was also good omen or he was he was also death and good omens
1: he was he's death and good (sighs) omens he is Hannibal Lecter but not the one everyone remembers because he was only in Manhunt he's William Stryker I love Brian Cox I hope we see him again and soon
0: And soon.
1: And there's only one way to find out if that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Gimme, 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 gimme. So every episode of Cult Fiction, we uh, leave our hands to fate because it's more fun that way, I feel like. And it's the only reason we would ever watch something like Super Troopers is if a magic uh, random number generator told us to. There are 299 movies on that random number generator. And Woo! the next one we are going to watch is number. Not Anaconda. Not anaconda. <laughs> Let's find not out.
0: Anaconda.
1: Number 251. Not Anaconda um two, number 251 is a john carpenter science fiction film it is not the thing i can't wait for the thing i recently talked on uh i think it was the fifth element episode or or no it was the faculty episode i was like ah i'm so sad the thing isn't cult turns out the thing is cult as hell and we will get to it in due time but Oh my god, what are we watching? John Carpenter's They Live, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Oh, this movie kicks ass. All
0: right, I guess.
1: This movie is only slightly less stupid. might not be fair this this movie i I think there's gonna be a lot we can talk about in this movie one of the which being uh how much rowdy roddy piper and keith david kick the shit out of each other
0: well i'm excited for that i guess that's all for this edition of cult fiction sorry go
1: ahead this is a good movie that's all
0: (laughs) (laughs) glad that i paused for that that's all for this edition of cult fiction if you want to keep up you can follow us on twitter at cult fiction cast you can also follow rate and review us on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts we'll close the crypt for now but
1: join us next time as we watch john carpenter's they live we're gonna chew bubblegum and kick ass and find <gasps> out if we're all out of bubblegum.
0: I'm very excited because I have heard things about this. This
1: movie kicks ass (laughs) for Stephanie Johnson. For for Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Boell.
0: Sorry. I'm so sorry. I just realized where I knew this from, and I was like, oh, I have heard that line. But I apologize. All right. From people saying,